Welcome, Fantasy Sports Collective Podcast. This is your host, J-Dub. This is all going to be about uh, 2019 early season bust breakouts and some other uh, fodder. I know it's early, two weeks in, uh, but it's, a, it's another great NFL season, and we just want to keep talking about uh, what's going down. Um, and, and, and by the way, how can we not love 66% increase year over year in holding penalties? Love it. No, I don't love it. Uh, the pace is all off. I mean, scoring's up in some games. It's all over the place. I love some of there's been some awesome finishes. I love, I love teams going for two instead of tie to go to overtime. Like the, like Jacksonville, uh, the other day in, in Houston, ballsy, uh, Denver, at home against Chicago, goes for two, gets it, ballsy. Uh, I still ended up losing. I'm not sure how that was uh, one second left with Allen Robinson on the ground there, but oh well, uh, they got they got hosed. Um, but you know, hey, I'm gonna I, you know it's early season, two games in. Uh, it's still time. It's time to uh, to overreact, right? It's overreaction season. So I'll indulge in that a little bit on the flip side. I do want to call out one highlight: the return of NFL primetime on ESPN. Uh, TJ and Chris Berman, Tom Jackson, Chris Berman. I grew up on this stuff. I grew up on that banter pre-internet. This was how we got all the early box score details Sunday night with a plethora of, of laugh out loud uh, one-liners from Berman. The, I, I actually forgot the show was gone. And I forgot I was missing it in my life. Came back in week two. This is a huge win. I don't care about, I don't know about all of you out there. And if you haven't seen this show before, because you're, you're young and or you don't watch regular TV, you don't have a you don't have a, a cable subscription, you don't watch ESPN. Go stream it. Uh, I'm telling you, this is classic. And I don't know how much longer we're gonna have it. Uh, these guys are getting older, uh, but he's the best man. Going, 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 gone. Anyhow, Berman is best national treasure in my humble opinion. Go check it out. Um, okay, as I mentioned, the show is gonna be about uh, highlighting breakouts and busts so far in the season. Um, these are calls I'm making. I know it's just two weeks, but you know, looking. I'm, I'm also considering the context of training camp and past seasons. So we'll get to it on the flip side. This is America. Don't get you slipping now. Hey! Don't get you slipping now. Hey! Hey! Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't get you slipping now. Hey! Don't get you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't get you slipping now. Okay, starting off with bus. Injuries are a pain, uh, and they're painful, and they're unfair to label a guy uh, bus due to the unfortunate nature of how brutal the NFL is. But I got to call out Big Ben here. Um, he looked washed up over the first five quarters of the season, so maybe the elbow injury was an, uh, and the season-ending injury was a blessing for his legacy. You know, it's possible this elbow injury actually started in training camp, affected his start. Um, you know, so that it's, you know, maybe that's it, but this is big Ben. I mean, this guy's like torn ACLs and seemingly broke bones and still played through it. I mean, I think I barely miss his stuff and for him to easily call himself out on an elbow injury after like a, like a quarter just didn't seem like himself. Um, it's just uncharacteristic. So does this mean it's the end? I don't know. Probably depends on, you know, how Mason Rudolph plays the rest of the season. If he shows promise and plays well, the Steelers should be wise to move on. And maybe Big Ben just retires, or maybe he plays out another season or two in Cincinnati to unceremoniously finish out his career. But I'm going to call on him a bust because he didn't seem like himself. The Steelers in general don't see like themselves. Um, the fact that, that he went out so quickly, I don't know. It's something weird's going on there. So just calling that out. want to kick it off there. Um, Cam Newton. 
man, dude's foot must be worse than the team is letting on. That's all I got to say. Uh, Newton looks immobile. I mean, literally, he had that one play where he's like trying to juke a guy. He couldn't even get past him. I think he, yeah, I think he's rushed for like negative one yard over two games. This is this is the guy that's been one of the greatest runners. And, and at the end of the game, there, six six, two hundred sixty pound guy. You need eight inches to get a first down and like three quarters of a yard to get a touchdown to win, win to tie the game. And they do a trick gadget play, direct snap to McCaffrey, fakes end around, and he runs wide and doesn't get the first down. Like, what are you thinking there? So there's something going on here. And the thing with, with Newton, he looked terrible in the game, terrible touch. He's only 31, and reports from camp were very positive. Uh, all offseason, he started throwing. People were actually very positive. So maybe he's just not uh, not done. I don't know, but... But there's been no established former MVP quarterback in his prime who's looked this poorly to start a season in in my my uh, history and you know in any memory I have, um, you know this guy's still in this prime, you know if it, if not for Cam though by the way let's turn our attention here Aaron Rodgers would be would be someone I'm calling out, uh, I, this guy doesn't look he looks distracted he, he's a guy that everybody expects to be a top four fantasy guy he seems more hell bent on calling out his coach and being a malcontent than he is just playing football. I mean, this is like the white version of uh, uh, Antonio Brown. I, mean, I, I know I'm being extreme here, but I, I don't know. I, it's again, it's two weeks in. This is overreaction time. I know I'll be I'll be regretting saying this. Anything about Aaron Rodgers? Uh, Cam Newton will probably turn around in the second half of the year too. But uh, right at this point, Cam Newton's clearly something's wrong. Um, staying on the vein of quarterbacks, uh, Kirk Cousins and Philip Rivers. Okay, these 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 aren't on the same level as Newton, and but I do lump them together. Uh, Chargers and Vikings have great rosters, defenses, tons and tons of skill position talent. This is These are deep teams. But the truth in watching these guys to start the season is they're both just average gunslingers who make plays because they take chances, but they also throw bonehead picks in key situations. Rivers threw away week two with a terrible throw it up in the end zone to a double team Keenan Allen when they're in easy field goal range for a game-ending pick. They kick a field goal. They tie it up. They go, to, they go, to, they go into uh, OT. They still got a great shot. He threw the game away. Cousins similarly threw away the game with a bad pick in the corner of the end zone as well. And Cousins, well, I think we've always known that guy's, you know, average at best. Um, but Philip Rivers is kind of in that, like, Hall of Fame conversation. And the, and the reality is, why? I, I mean, I look at these teams. Both teams are one and one and both may be leading playoff teams. Both should be playoff teams. But, but I think at this point, we know both these guys, they're not winners. You know, they're not going to lead their respective teams to the Super Bowl. They're never going to be an NFL MVP. Um, and they're not even dominant fantasy lineup players. You know, they'll, they'll have great fits and spurts. There'll be games where Rivers puts up great numbers. Um, and there'll be some games where Cousins lights it up, especially with the talent around him. But, I, you know, I drop them both in small leagues, and I take chances on guys with upside long term. Um, which brings me to another point. Is it the end of an era, that quarterback draft class of 2004? We've talked so much about how great that class was, but what, how great was it really? I mean, Ben Roethlisberger's got two titles. Um, Eli's got two titles. Um, but it, they're kind of like, I don't know. Rivers has never really lived up to it, uh, but it may be an end of an era. Uh, you know, Big Ben, you know, who knows what happens with him. He's definitely out this season. Uh, Eli's been benched. Uh, I think he's always been kind of mediocre. He came up huge in two Super Bowl runs, but outside of that, he's always been kind of, you know, so-so. Um, and then Philip Rivers, I just talked about it. So I, I don't know. That, that, that class is, isn't it's all cracked up to be. It also kind of reminds me of the 2012 class where you had uh, Luck 1 and, and RG3 2. RG3 gets off to the fantastic rookie year, wins rookie of the year. 
both those guys are effectively done. I mean, RG3 is a backup, still in the league, but you know, for all intents and purposes, his career, is, his career oh, as a starter is pretty much over, and then Luck's retired. Um, things change a lot, but I think uh, in retrospect, that 2004 class may be done and may not be as good as we always thought they were. Um, okay, Bus, I got to put this guy here. I feel bad doing it. Um, uh, it's Le'Veon Bell. I'm a fan, and this isn't in terms of his talent or effort. I mean, the, he was just going all out on that Monday uh, or yesterday's game. He's, he's an awesome talent, but this is an example where particularly team and, and system dependency are critical, and more, never more so at the running back and wide receiver uh, positions. Uh, Bill is simply in a dumpster fire situation. His productivity is going to suffer. Um, he's going to have some good games, but I think that you, you, your, your hope of him being a top five, top six, maybe even a top 10 fantasy running back this year, I, I, I don't think that's realistic. Um, which gets me to the Jets and Dolphins. Sell, 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 sell. These teams, uh, I mean, to a certain extent, we felt good about their future heading into the year. Uh, they had some direction. I think the Jets obviously were better than the Dolphins. Um, neither was likely to, expected to be a playoff squad. Uh, obviously, the Dolphins, we knew they weren't going to be as they're, they're building. Um, but at this point, they just look like dumpster fire situations. The Dolphins clearly just, they've thrown up the white, white flag. They're going all in for Tui or, or whoever else is going to be number one. I, I don't think there's anyone going to challenge them for 0-16. Even the Jets will find a way to win one game. Um, but the, jo- the Jets will remain... Uh, you know, kind of remain faux relevant for a bit longer, but don't be fooled. This is a mess. Adam Gase, by the way, I mean, is there a better example right now that coaching matters? I mean, this guy goes from one situation to another situation and just sucks. Watch his press conferences. He's a disaster. He's a disaster. I, I, I'm, you know, I can't say I do a ton a lot better, but I'm also get, not getting paid, you know, two and a half or three million dollars to, to lead a football team. Um, this guy is. I'm not sure how he keeps getting jobs. Um, so, uh, I, my guess is he's one and done with the jets. I mean, just in his performance in the press conferences tells me he's not fit to be a head coach of a New York based, uh, professional sports team, but you know, the jets are kind of a mess. So, you know, J E T S jets, 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 they're probably gonna keep them around for too long. Um, other bus, you know, and this, I'm going more team here. Cause I think, I think actually you should take a cue from this, like, Back to the Jets and Dolphins. I don't think any of these guys are playable. Maybe Le'Veon. I mean, Le'Veon Bell's playable. He's playable, but it's not what you expected, and he's going to be a disappointment. The rest of the players on those teams, I don't care how deep your league is. If you're playing those guys, it better be a huge bye week, and it's like a huge gap in your lineup, and you're like, I got to throw this guy in there. But, I mean, Fitzpatrick threw two six picks, pick sixes. The Dolphins are trying to trade everything. I mean, shit, if they could trade, uh, you know, get a seventh rounder for their assistant GM, they'd be trading him too or her. Um Next group, though, here is in the bust category, Jaguars, Steelers, and Bears. I've got these guys as bust. Again, This is some of this is overreaction. Uh, I think particularly the Bears, potentially the Steelers. Not so, so much sure about the Jaguars. But what we've seen so far is, is abysmal. Um, you know, so I'm not advocate, going to advocate selling uh, and, and jumping chip on all these players yet. But these teams have talent. They're going to fight. You know, They could easily get into rhythm. And they can and will jump into the top 15 in offense. But... The Steelers and Bears are 29th and 31st, respectively, in offense so far. Um, and the Jags, I think, are uh, 28th, if I got this right. Um, I, I, I expect the Bears and, and Steelers to be in the top 15. They've got too much talent. Uh, coaching has been consistent. Um, you know, the Bears are ascending, so it's not like they've had a lot of history of this. Steelers have been consistent. But 
uh, but who knows? You know, I think the the quarterback situation in all those places is up for grabs. There's been a lot of changes happening, um, and I don't feel good about any of those teams right now. Um, so those are in my bus category. Okay, let's get to, to breakouts. I'm really focusing on more on players here and less teams. You got to start this off with with Dak Prescott and Lamar Jackson. I mean, do I need to say anything more about these guys? Uh, I, it, let's start with Jackson. Uh, you know, I knew coming out he was a great runner. Um, you know, I think after his rookie year, it's hard to predict that he'd be a great thrower, except if you watch what he did in college, this is what I, I believed he was, I, I was just a huge believer in him. I watched him. He knew how to set. He read the, he read, uh, and went through his reads. He threw and, and, and delivered an accurate ball at, at every level. Um, and he wasn't just a runner. He would drop back. He actually played a more pro style system than people gave him credit for. So I was a little surprised at how they played him last year. And I was underwhelmed and under my expectations this year weren't as high, although I did pick him up in, in several of my leagues. Um, but I mean, this guy is incredible. It, you know, the question is, can they ride him hard? You know, he's, he's kind of got that slight build, but I, I call him, he's basically a, he's a, he's kind of like a Michael Vick meets Randall Cunningham 2.0 explosive runner with decent touch and velocity. Uh, I'm excited to see what he does the rest of the year. My, my hope is he can stay healthy and keep it up. He's, he's spectacular. Dak is harder to understand. Um, you know, he was a good, but not great college quarterback fell the fourth round. Um, he wasn't amazing, uh, productive. It wasn't incredibly productive there. Um, he's looked decent since he's come into the place. So obviously it was a, a surprising high performer as a rookie playing that whole year with Tony Romo getting injured. Um, and then look, you insert the Boise state Maestro's offensive coordinator this year and Dak is ascending to elite production, um, status. I mean, if he keeps this up, I predict the clapper, Jason Garrett, will be canned in the offseason to keep Kellen Moore from taking another coaching job with another team. Because um, it's clear to me Garrett was holding the, the Cowboys back offensively, and that's supposedly his strength. I'm not sure what – Garrett has led, like, the most mediocre, you know, five, six-year stretch in Dallas. I feel like Jerry Jones – younger Jerry Jones is, has gotten rid of Garrett a while ago. It's pretty clear Kellen Moore is, is you know, at least through two games. <laughs> I mean, it's early. But he's looking great, uh, turning Dak into a spectacular player. And by the way, he's doing this with like a, you know, forty-five-year-old Jason Witten catching a touchdown every week, um, a ascending, I guess, uh, Michael Gallup, who's now out for four to five weeks. So we'll have to see uh, Amari Cooper, who, I, quite frankly, I mean, let's be honest, I, I think he's been a complete bust to date. He played great after they traded for him, but he's not spectacular. And that's it. I mean, their offensive talent there is not great on the on the on the throwing side. Um, from a from a passing standpoint, it's not like Elliott's is spectacular out of the backfield um, a receiver either. He's not bad, but he's not spectacular. He's not Le'Veon Bell. He's not someone of that that nature. So um, it's going to be awesome to see this from a fantasy perspective. Though I'm buying in on these guys. Both of them have been highly productive and efficient. I love Lamar Jackson in particular. I, I want to see more of it from Dak. He's obviously playing for a big contract. I love the switch and offensive coordinator. Something's working there. He's being more aggressive down the field, taking advantage of what Dak does well. It's been it's been awesome to watch. So excited to see that continue uh, again. Two weeks in, but uh, it's been it's been great. Um, next guy up, uh, Austin Eckler. So uh, running back, Chargers. Uh, you know, everyone says this guy's a change of pace third down back. Uh, maybe a decade ago that was the case, but in this era in the Chargers system, he's an upgrade over Melvin Gordon. And the, the data, that the numbers back it up. Last year, in the time when Gordon was out, uh, Eckler was more efficient and better than Gordon. And this year, he's been electric. 
And he's the only reason why the Chargers offense has stayed in these games this year. He's second in the NFL in scrimmage yards, and he's he's trucking dudes in the open field. This is supposed to be an undersized third down change of pace guy, and he's running dudes over, running through them. Uh, he's he's a pure beast in the open field. If he can stay healthy and Gordon stays away, this is a top four fantasy running back this year, folks. So if you don't have him uh, and you got someone in your league who doesn't realize what he is, get him now uh, because he's he is spectacular and they're using him right. He's not getting twenty five touches up the middle. He's getting you know the ten to twelve carries and the like ten targets. I mean he's anyhow. I, I can't speak highly enough of him. Um, I like Justin Jackson, by the way. I'm not calling him out as a breakout because he's clearly the number two guy here, but he looks good too. And I think them t- them two in conjunction are a really nice one too there in, in uh, I just about to say San Diego, but in, in uh, the Carson Chargers, uh, we'll leave it at that. Um, next up, Dalvin Cook, you know, the leader in scrimmage yards so far two weeks in. Cook's talent is undeniable. We saw it at Florida State. Uh, he would have been a first-round pick if it wasn't for some off-the-field things and injury bug. I uh, still was a, a kind of a mid, mid-second rounder. Um, so he's been injury-prone. Um, and, and Alexander Madison looks good, too, uh, as a rookie. Um, and touches have been kind of more even, or could be more even in the second half of the year. And, but Cook looks great. He could do everything. He's explosive. He's had an, I think he had an 80-plus-yard touchdown week one or this past week. Um, he, he's a good receiver. Uh, I like it across the board. So um, really good player. Um, next, I'm going to go to an old Pac-12 uh, star, an All-American uh, his last year at University of Washington, and a surprise top 10 pick in John Ross. Question with him is, will he sustain it? Like He's doing this with a, a, a being highly efficient with some really big plays, but he's in the top five in receiving yards. Actually, I think he's number two right now. Um, he's got, uh, multiple touchdown catches. He's making big plays. He's, he was at, you know, college, uh, all American, as I mentioned, he was a combine star. I, I think he can, I think he can sustain it. I think he, I think he is really good. I'm not sure he's ever going to be a featured number one guy, uh, but for fantasy purposes, particularly in leagues where you get uh, points for, for big plays, I love me some John Ross. So big fan there. Next three, uh, actually next four, but I'm going to loop the first three together in a, in a group, are rookie wide receivers who I, I like. And this is a underrated batch of rookie wide receiver season uh, overall. Um, the first three are Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, Antonio's cousin, DK Metcalf out of Ole Miss, and Debo Samuel out of South Carolina. These guys all look like number one wide receivers their respective teams. If not now, then very soon. Um, I didn't love Hollywood Brown. Uh, you know, he came out of Oklahoma. That system really kind of like jacks up stats. He wasn't spectacular. The combine, not necessarily big. Um, wasn't he? Wasn't special in any any particular way. But he's just locked in with Lamar Jackson, a big play guy, and kind of like his 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 cousin, his older cousin. There's something about them on the field. Like they're just better in the field than they are in testing or in like size or stature. Um, and so far through two weeks, the guy's been off the charts. So will he keep it up? I don't know. He looks of these three. He looks like the guy that most likely is the number one right now. I think the question is whether Lamar can maintain this efficiency as a thrower. He's probably going to be better as a runner as the season goes on. Um, if he can, Marquise Brown is a top 10 guy, clear number one and an awesome uh, dynasty player. Um, DK, Maca- D- DK Metcalf and Samuel are a little bit different. Um, Samuel uh, Metcalf and Samuel haven't put up the same numbers of Brown, but Seattle and San Francisco respectively have shown they're excited about these new weapons and their difference makers. Um, if, if both aren't go to guys ASAP, I, I think their respective coaches need to be questioned because there's nothing in front of them to justify holding back uh, 
other than just rookie for rookie's sake. Um, Samuel is very explosive, and what I really liked about him, if you go back to college, he's a guy that made plays in every phase of the game, running, receiving, special teams. There's a great correlation between special team performance and big plays in particular, and translating to big plays in, in pros. Um, that's actually one of the things, if you look back in an Antonio Brown as an example, awesome uh, special teamer in college, that stuff translates to the next level. I mean, you see it already. You saw it in the preseason. You've seen it so far in the regular season. Um, that's what happened yesterday or uh, Sunday at Cincinnati. DK Metcalf's a little bit different. That guy is a massive, I mean, physical specimen, right? He's like 230, 6'2 and a half, almost 6'3, ran like a four, sub 4, 340. Um, Samuel's quick, but not this size. He's more almost six foot, like 5'11, 213, 214. So nice stature. Metcalf is a beast. He's a true number one physical stature. He's got great speed up there with the Samuel. Um, and he's already starting to see they're, they're working him in specific ways to get that kind of mismatch on the outside on those fades in the corners. And he caught a beautiful touchdown on Sunday. Uh, what I like about all three of these guys are they're on really good teams with uh, pretty good or great ascending quarterbacks, right? I think Samuel is the one, the question mark with Jimmy G. We all think he can be great, but he hasn't proven it. Russell Wilson, no questions asked. He's likely a Hall of Famer, probably locked in. He doesn't need to play another game. Um, and then Lamar Jackson, <laughs> the jury's still out. But uh, as you heard me earlier, I love the guy. Um, so I think all three of these guys, at the very least, are wide receiver twos fantasy for the rest of the second half of this year with upside on that. I really like all three of them going forward. Fourth guy is Terry McLaren, uh, the Ohio State guy, uh, grad. Um, draft pick this last year by the Redskins. I'm pur purposely leaving him kind of out of that first group because he actually, interestingly enough, I don't see the same long-term talent. I don't see him being kind of a, a physical specimen, either in size, speed, or just difference maker. Um, but he's unique in that the, uh, the Redskins are really treating him as their number one. He's being force-fed the ball. He's getting a ton of targets. And he's actually probably of the four, I would say, Right there with Brown, maybe even above Brown, is like a must-start because he's being fed so many tar targets. Um, so at this point, he's he's a must-start in in my in my mind in most leagues, um, and and likely is a best shot at the best rookie fantasy season season if he can stay healthy in terms of just pure production. So I like him. Uh, he's definitely kind of a quasi breakout. You know, a lot of these guys, by the way, all of these guys I just mentioned are on pace. At least Samuel Brown and McLaren are on pace for uh, north of 1,000 yards. Brown and McLaren are on pace for like 13, 1,400 yards. It's early, two weeks in. But remember, rookie receivers, they're just learning the speed, getting acclimated. Uh, being productive early is always a great sign because usually the productivity happens in the second half of year as they start getting that, that uh, uh, sort of the, the feel of the game and, and really get going. So... Um, last is, uh, Mark Andrews, uh, tight end for the Ravens. This guy was on many sleeper lists and, and it, as he should be, it would, he's a second year guy, played really well, looked, looked connected to, he was the one receiver that looked connected to Lamar Jackson last year through two weeks. He's on pace for 16 TDs and 1600 yards almost. Uh, that's ridiculous. Now, will he keep that pace up? No, but this guy looks a lot like Travis Kelsey to me. He's in that mold. He's, he's athletic. He's moving. They can, they're using him in these like almost slot receiver type ways, give him bubble screens, get him quick, uh, quick uh, the ball out of uh, Jackson's uh, hands quickly. Really keeps the defense honest. Um, I like him as a t tight end one for the remainder of this season, and I think he's going to be a, a star, you know, barring injury and Lamar Jackson continue to stay healthy or uh, ascending and, and growing. So 
that's my list of busts and breakouts. Um, I'm sure there'll be some guys I missed. I kind of went through a bunch of stuff. I tried not to get too many busts. I, obviously, I stuck with the quarterback position because it's the glamour position and um, really calling out some of these these older guys in particular. Um, I, I kept Breeze out of here because I, I still think he's coming back and, and he's on a special kind of different trajectory. Um, uh, so that is what it is. One last thing, though, before I, I, I finish up this thing. I've got a buddy, a former colleague, a uh, big, big football fan who years ago started a suicide pool. And I, I told him I would, I would plug it a little bit. Um, it's a great, great pool, and, and I've always been a fan. This pool is uh, it's a, it's a couple hundred bucks to join. He's got over 1,000 entries now. Uh, the pool, the winner gets around a little bit more than a hundred thousand dollars. Um, and some of the constellation price is obviously pretty big. Um, it's a double elimination format. It's, it's incredible fun stuff. I actually hadn't until I met him and got to know him. I hadn't been, uh, doing these before, uh, but it is an incredible, uh, fun thing given, especially given the stakes, uh, to follow along. Um, and so I, you know, I kind of made a mistake, not, not plugging this. I didn't get a, a pod out before the beginning of the season, uh, but I thought to build some interest uh, for next year, I'm going to start a, a process where in any of my weekly pods, I, I will call my lock of the week. Um, so for those of you in suicide pools, you know, you can, you can kind of follow along um, and you can see how quickly I get knocked out. Um, this week is a little unfair uh, because uh, one, I haven't been uh, doing this yet, so I, I don't have the, the track record and you can't call me out on, oh, you didn't bring this guy in or you already said this or that, whatever it may be. Um, this week, there's two like obvious locks, and I think in a normal situation, I wouldn't pick these, but I'll just call them out. I mean, Cowboys uh, hosting the Dolphins at home, they, the Cowboys got a 21.5-point line. I don't know about winning by 21.5, although I do think that's probably a safe bet for Dallas, given how they've been playing offensively and how Miami's just looking to tank, uh, but that's a lock. If you're just looking for a winner— Dallas is winning that game at home versus Miami. Miami has no interest in winning it. They're not trying to win. They they literally want to go on 16 based on what we see. I mean, they're literally trading away everything they can possibly trade away. By the way, kudos to their their personnel team getting a first-round pick from Minka uh, Fitzpatrick from the Steelers. Steelers look like they're going to be kind of a mid-selection, maybe even top 10 selection there. What great value there. Um, so good good move by Miami on that one. Um, and then the other lock of the week is Patriots hosting the Jets, um, 23 point line at home. I don't like this one. I, I think Patriots are lock uh, to win it in a suicide poll. On the betting side, I kind of like the Jets. I think the Jets are still playing hard. They're I, again, they're trying to stay faux relevant. Um, they're going to do what they can. I, 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 but that said, I wouldn't take either side on this one. I think that Pats could easily win this 40 to nothing. Pats look, have the look of a team that could go 16 and 0. Certainly going to be 14 and 2, 13 and 3 at the very least. This is a very, very strong Pats team. I think, barring regardless of what happens to Brady, uh, this is a really good team. So those are the locks. I would also call out there's just some great games this week. Uh, Steelers uh, on the road, 0-2, trying to salvage their season. Not a must-win, but pretty darn close, given the situation with Roethlisberger out for the season. Niners 2-0, riding in two straight road wins. It's a big test for the 49ers, um, and it's a big, big game for the Steelers uh, in terms of their season. They can write everything, get a win here, um, one and two, and reconcile everything. So interesting game there. Rams 2-0, visiting Cleveland Monday night. Or sorry, Sunday night, uh, Browns one and one, a big game for the Browns. 
big national television audience. Really like that one. New Orleans visiting Seattle. So New Orleans is one and one. Seattle's two and zero. Oh. I like that game for Seattle. I'm not a Bridgewater fan. I think at home, Seattle's got the, the advantage. If I had to go to a lock on the like not obvious ones, I'm going Seattle over New Orleans there. So that's my lock of the week right there. Is Seattle's going to take New Orleans at home at CenturyLink at 125 uh, uh, PST, 425 Eastern, so an afternoon uh, afternoon game. Um, other than that, there's some other great, uh, great games. It's going to be interesting to see how things turn. I'm, I'm looking forward in the morning, the Ravens two and O visiting the two and O chiefs. That's a defense, explosive quarterback Lamar versus incredibly explosive Mahomes. I, I like Ravens in that game. Chiefs are given six and a half. I got to say, I like the Ravens. I think that they got a defense. They've got the, the offense to keep the game close. They may lose that game, but I'm not sure they lose it by a touchdown. So I think you you probably more a field goal, maybe two field goals, but you win with the six and a half taking the Ravens there. So I take the Ravens, the points on the road. Uh, some other good games there too, but those are the ones I'll call. Hey, I appreciate you guys listening. Hope you have a great week. Uh, let's go week three. Uh, let's keep the roll going. Love NFL season 2019. Keep it rolling. Before we leave, let me tell y'all a little something. Uptown, funk you up. Uptown funk you up. Uptown funk you up. Uptown funk you up. I said uptown funk you up. Uptown funk you up. Uptown funk you up. Uptown funk you up. Jump on it if you sexy and flown it. If you freak dead and own it, don't act.